ask you that uh, this is a great day, a day that you've made, and we uh, rejoice in it. Our Father, thank you for the things that you're going to implant and, and, and seed within us. The transformation on the inside is going to happen as I speak this word out today. That our understanding is going to be open. Our eyes will be open. Our ears will be open, Lord. Our senses will be attuned to what you're doing in, or in us, but also around about us. So, Father, I pray that you'd take these words of mine and bring life and transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit. I just commit myself, I surrender myself to your leadership and your lordship in my life. And, Father, I thank you for the things that are shared today in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. John Oakes uh, is a musician in New York City. He happened to be playing at a Starbucks cafe on 51st and Broadway. Uh, others said it's the most lucrative Starbucks uh, cafe, uh, cafe in the world. Tips uh, were really good if you chose the right tunes to play. So this guy, John, was playing tunes from the 1940s through to the 1990s on his keyboard, and he's also acting as a backup singer with his partner that was there as well. And as, as they were singing, he actually noticed that there was a lady who was sitting on a chair, and she was swaying, and she was singing uh, along with the song. So if, if you don't know me by now, uh, I won't go into the whole thing, but uh, afterwards she apologized to this guy for singing. And, and John says, well... Uh, you know, would you like to sing the next selection? And she said, well, thank you very much. Do you know any hymns? And so John chose the hymn that she was going to sing, and it was called The Eye is on the Sparrow. And everyone in the Starbucks listened attentively as they sang. I sing because I'm happy, sing because I'm free, for his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The people in, the, in Starbucks gave a thunderous round of applause at the end of that song. And this lady then turned to John and said, It's funny that you picked that hymn. It was my daughter's favorite hymn. She was 16, but she died last week of a brain tumor. And I'm going to be okay because I know that I'm trusting God and I know that he is watching over me now because of that song. See, this was a divine appointment brought about by the person of the Holy Spirit. Relief was given to this lady in that instant who's feeling like, you know, doubting maybe what God was doing. I don't know how she felt, but you know what? This possibility that she felt like, you know, why could God allow this to happen? Or, you know, I'm going to go through life alone or whatever. But, you know, in that instant, she knew that God was real. She knew that God was watching over her because of a divine appointment in a cafe in the middle of New York, New York City. This is the thing that people don't understand about the Christian life. Some people say it's really easy to live a Christian life. I think they're uninformed. Some people say it's hard to, to live the Christian life. Well, they're almost right. I actually believe it's impossible to live the Christian life without the person of the Holy Spirit. I think that we need the person of the Holy Spirit to actually succeed in this Christian life that we are called to live. And as a church, we are actually journeying together to find people in our sphere of influence that we can help to connect in a living, vital, and powerful relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the goal of what we share is not to get to people to heaven. 
The goal is that I would love for you to meet Jesus because he loves you so much and so do I. That needs to be the goal of why we share what we share with the people in our world. It's not that we get them into heaven. That's a byproduct. We've got to show them and reveal to them the love of Jesus Christ that's born through us loving them as well. Can I check? Right. You need to be on the edge of your chair this morning, okay? Because if you're not now, you will be, all right? So, yeah, actually, you might fall on the floor if you're on the chair. No. <clears throat> See how my brain works this morning, okay? Um, I am going to be... There's a fire in my bones. There's a fire in my spirit this morning with this word. And I, I just want to encourage you. I, I appreciate that you might take notes this morning. And I, what I'm going to tell you to do, that I would not normally say, but you know what? Put your notes down and just engage. Open up your spirit this morning. You can catch this message and take notes on iTunes, through our website. You can catch this message and you can pick all the scriptures. I can email these notes out to you and whatever you want me to do. But I'm asking us this morning, open up your spirit, open up your heart to what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you because I guarantee you transformation is going to happen in your spirit this morning. I believe that God's going to change the way that we think about what's happening this morning. See, our world is crying out for hope, for answers and solutions. See, our world is crying out for an encounter with God. And that's only going to come as we are filled and overflowing with the person of the Holy Spirit and begin living adventurously and in taking a risk where God leads us to. So in this series that I'm doing on why, I'm going to be asking the question today, why do we need the Holy Spirit in our lives? We are a Bible-believing uh, Spirit-led uh, church, as, 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 as that's what we are. Okay, so I'm going to say to us, why do we need the person of the Holy Spirit? Because as individuals who should expect God to touch, touch our lives, and as individuals who are used by God to have divine encounters with people that we meet and, and live with and work with, we need the person of the Holy Spirit to, to make that happen. See, there's a, this, this guy called Jack Wugman. Wugman. I don't know how you say his last name. It's W-U-G-M-A-N. Jack Wugman's life was forever changed by picking up a strange-looking bottle as he walked down a beach one day. Inside this bottle was a note, and it said this, Whoever finds this bottle shall inherit my whole estate. And it was signed, Singer. This was the Singer sewing machine inventor. A judge validated that note, and this guy, Jack Wugman, inherited millions through a divine appointment. Just walking along the beach, he saw a bottle, opened it up. There's a note in there saying, whoever holds this note shall get everything that I own. And he, he got it. He inherited the lot. See, God uses ordinary people in everyday places to help people. Our thinking, our actions, and our heart must become more aligned with Jesus. And as we do, we'll rediscover the adventure of living and having divine encounters everywhere we go. Because I believe that the Christian life is an exciting, adventurous thing that we get to go on with the person of the Holy Spirit as he leads us and he guides us throughout our everyday. 
People don't share their faith because they're not excited about what God's doing in their life. They're, they're, maybe they're in a bad season. And I understand that there's those times as well. But we don't share our faith quite often because we're not really engaged, you know, having an adventurous Christian life that we, we know that the Bible talks about. I want the days of the New Testament to come alive today. I want it so that when we're walking down a street, whoever overshadows me in the person of God overshadows someone who's sick and they become well. You know, I want my hands to lay to touch someone who's, who's sick. And I want to see them recover. I want to see the adventurous Christian life that the, the apostles lived when they were in their day. I want to, I want to experience that personally. I want the, this community to experience the, the Jesus as he really is. That there's, there's people that are fired up about their faith in a person called Jesus because Jesus has changed the world. He's the greatest man in history uh, right across the, the whole world. There's no one more famous who's done more to help help humanity than Jesus Christ himself. And that's who I want to share uh, this community with. I want to share Jesus with my community. Is that okay? See, we're going to understand that the Holy Spirit will orchestrate these God-arranged days and these God-ordained encounters that God himself desires to take place in our lives. These appointments await us as we live with expectation, in anticipation and readiness. And this is why we need the person of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you six powerful truths about the person of the Holy Spirit this morning. So here they are. Number one, the, the Holy Spirit is in us. The person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, is inside of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? That's what the Bible says. It's not what Gary says. This is what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. In Romans chapter 8 verses 10 to 11 it says, Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. The spirit of God lives in us. See, the spirit of adventure is not something we have to go looking for, okay? He's right there within us. He's right, the spirit of adventure is right within you. He's right inside of you right now. Just as Jesus came to the earth to show us what God the Father is like, so too the Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can show the world what God's like. We can go out there and say, this is what my God's like. And, and we can change people's destiny. We can change people's circumstance and the situations that they're in because the person of the Holy Spirit is within me. I don't have to go and search for God. He's inside of me. He's shut up in my bones sometimes. And I've got to let him out. The power to bring change, healing and deliverance, restoration and salvation is within us, church. The Holy Spirit is inside of us. He is in us right now. Let's release the power and the presence of God to the people that we work with. We've got to release the presence of God out there. The second great truth is this. The Holy Spirit fills us. 
The Holy Spirit, He fills us. Uh, A great pastor and teacher, Jack Hayford, says this. He says, to be filled with the Spirit is an expansion of our capacity for worshipping, an extension of our dynamic for witnessing, and an expulsion of the adversary through our spiritual warfare. I love what it says. You know, this is an extension uh, of our dynamic for witnessing. There's an increase of uh, our capacity for worship, but there's also this area where we can get rid of the devil. I don't know about you, you know, sometimes my my thoughts get really messed up and I'm, I'm, you know, starting to agree with the devil. You know, you are depressed. You are going down. You know, you are sick. I feel sick. You know, why agree with the devil? No, I've got an ability to expel, expel. Well, you know, that push out, <laughs> expel. Thank you very much. I knew there was an X word there somewhere. So, thank you very much on this side of the house. It's great. <clears throat> See, sometimes we need to understand also that being baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit—they're interchangeable in the Bible. Okay, where one you see one, it's, it's often you can ex- exchange it for the other one as well. So they can be used interchangeably. See, to be filled, here's the definition, to, to put in as much as can be held, contained or supply with fullness, to the top, to the brim. See, in <coughs> Acts chapter 2 verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in other words, there's this, this thing that happens inside of us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul uh, in, in Acts chapter 13 verse 9 says, Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, turned around and looked at this sorcerer and said to him, you blind person leading uh, people into blindness. Just, he, he's, he, this sorcerer, he just said, you're going to be blind. And all of a sudden, there's this sorcerer going around. He's blind. Why? Because Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognized what was happening through this man and, and, and stopped what was happening in, in this man. Paul needed the, the person of the Holy Spirit to, to be able to see what was going on around him and in his world. In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Spirit. You see, it's almost like where a believer, like someone who's drinking, receives the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within themselves to such a point that the Holy Spirit then flows out of us like a river from us. Jesus confirmed this. When he told us that, that uh, like rivers, you, know, you should be filled uh, and out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. That living water speaks about the person of the Holy Spirit. We need to release the person of the Holy Spirit uh, so that we can just see him touch the people in and around about our lives. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month of the 17th day, on that day all the foundations of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were open. It's the start of the great flood. 40 days, 40 nights, it's just rained and bucketed down. You think it's raining out there? There was nothing compared to what was happening in Noah's day. But there's this thing I feel that God wants to, uh, to fill us and overflow our lives and flow through us like he overflowed the world in Noah's day. But instead of death happening, God wants us to release salvation and life and healing into that same dimension that we saw in Noah's day. How good would it be if our community was flooded with people who are so full of the Holy Spirit that they just want to release him out there? I mean, how many uh, hospitals would be empty? 
The jails would be empty. It would be. There would not be people who are on, on benefits anymore. What could that do for our nation? Right there. Oh, you're just being silly, Pastor. Why am I being silly? Why isn't that, isn't that God's intention to change our world? Isn't that what God wants to do is to bring transformation anyway? How about we get with the program? Is it warm up here or is it just me? Mommy, just me. I love it when Jane says that to me. Honestly, I, I just punches my buttons right there. I love you, baby. You're going to get me into trouble. You know that, don't you? God wants to flow through us, church, because he's filled us, because he's in us. A third thing, the Holy Spirit frees us. I don't know about you, but I needed freeing. I, need, I, needed liberty. I needed to come into a place of release and freedom in my world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, The Spirit of the Lord, where the Spirit is, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. S- spirit, unlike an object, the Holy Spirit, unlike an object, can't be located, weighed, or dissected. The Spirit knows no temporal or corporeal limitations. He doesn't follow a prescribed pattern. There is spontaneity and freedom in the Spirit. He doesn't operate with limitations. Man is limited by this this tabernacle of flesh, by this, this person of flesh that we find us. The Holy Spirit's not. The Holy Spirit's not. The Holy Spirit isn't bound to a place or to things, but is totally free, and it's into his freeness that he brings us and releases us and helps us to dwell in. How good would it be if we, all the limitations and the inhibitions that we have as people, as Christians, about, you know, well, what will people think of me? Well, have, just be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't really matter what people think of you anyway. Let's just go out there because the Holy Spirit, he brings us into freedom. He doesn't want us to be constrained by what people think. He doesn't want us limited by what the people think about. He wants to release his goodness in and through us. I will start preaching very shortly. Number four, the Holy Spirit energizes us. The Holy Spirit energizes us. Acts chapter 2 verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. You know, something powerful happened when the Holy Spirit filled the place where the disciples were meeting. This was so powerful, the disciples had no language to adequately say what it was. It was like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't actually a mighty rush, but it was like the sound of a, mu- a rushing mighty wind. It, then what looked like tongues of fire appeared and settled on. It, I don't have the, the words to describe what it was, but it, it, it looked like 
that there were tongues of fire coming down upon people. Just as fire filled the tabernacle, the, the ark of the presence of God in the Old Testament, now the person in the presence of God is seen upon his people when there are tongues. It looks like a fire inside of them. It looks like there's a fire burning in their spirit. It looks like that their eyes are filled with a fire. There's, a, there's something that's, uh, uh, that's really hot about this, this person, this Christian. They're, they're, they're on, there's a passion within their heart. There's, there's something that it's like a fire within their, their spirit. I don't have the words to describe what it was, but it looked like a fire. There's an energy about this person. There's, there's something that they've caught. They've plugged themselves into a source that is giving them energy to do what he's calling them to do. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's something that God is doing within this person. That's us. That's the church that the Bible talks about. There's an energy that comes because of the person of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the person of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't have the energy. That's when I need to tap into the person of the Holy Spirit. And he helps me to get through my day. There's a power and an energy of heaven that surged through the city in the disciples' day. It was such a sound and such an energy that the entire city came to this place where the disciples were meeting and they said, what's going on? There was something attractive about that, that energy. There was something that, that God was doing in that place that gripped a city. How good would it be if our city heard that there was something like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. There was seen like tongues of fire happening at that place just around the corner next to that, that power substation. There's something happening there. We need to go and check it out. It becomes attractive to people if we use that with wisdom, how we, we express this and talk about this and don't become flaky in what we're doing as well. Don't chuck the baby out with the bathwater. Like, don't, don't lose sight of your brain when you're talking about this stuff. Fifth, the Holy Spirit empowers us. You thought his energy was good. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the, the earth was formless and empty and the darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was there to create whatever God spoke into being. It was his job to enact what was to happen in that moment. At creation, this force moved over the primeval waters. That force was the Holy Spirit. The Spirit means, it's a Hebrew word, means ruah, R-U-A-H. It means wind. See, wind and breath is a vivid figure of speech depicting the Holy Spirit as a divine kind of power. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, this divine kind of power actually helps us to be a witness into our community, into the people that we're living with, the people that we're working with. It gives us the power. He empowers us with a dynamite type of power to touch the people around about us. When you shake hands with someone, you can impart the power of God to them. If they're sick, they're going to get better. If they're having a bad day, it's just about to turn around. It's going to get better. Their day's going to turn around for the things that God are just being imparted to them because you're filled with power. There's a power in your handshake. There's a power in our words. Power in our words. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Whew. 
The same Holy Spirit that was the force that moved over the waters at the creation is the same Holy Spirit that is in us. He fills us, he frees us, he energizes us, and he empowers us. Sixth thing is that the Holy Spirit helps us. I don't know about you, but you know, you need to probably reach out, Lord, help him. Like, just help. I need help. I need help in this Christian life. I need help to reach my unsaved family and friends. I need help to reach out to the people around about me. I need help when I encounter someone who's grieving. I need help when someone's in distress. I need help for the right words to come up with. I need help to to, to help families and and, and people that are in my world. Just as an aside, there's there's a family in our church right now that's doing it tough. Okay, they've got, uh, uh, I don't know if you know um, Toby and Beck Coonan. Uh, it's Aaron's uh, brother and his wife. Uh, Toby is currently in hospital having uh, tests for something that's wrong with his heart. He's got fluid on the heart. And uh, they're trying to get through to the, the, the bottom of what's happening and see how they can address this. But Beck is sick at home with four kids and she's struggling right now. And what we need is some people that are willing to, to help out with some meals to go around. You know what, sometimes you need the Holy Spirit to help you make a meal to help a family that's in the church. If you're able to help out, I'm going to be sending out an email later on this afternoon, okay? You just click on the link and you just uh, go into this website and you can say the date and the time, whatever it is, that you're able to help out and to supply a meal for Toby and Beck. You know what, sometimes we need the person of the Holy Spirit to say, how about you click on that link? You're thinking like, oh, we need to stop the sun from going forward. No, no, just give a meal. That's the Holy Spirit. That's what this family needs. It's practical. It's not not airy-fairy. This is a practical need right now in the church. I need the Holy Spirit sometimes to do that. Or I just need to think about it. See, the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us to pray. He, He helps to guide our steps. He gives us words to speak and to, to, to open people to us as we share the gospel and the truth with people in our world. See, in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 18, Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, the, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells within you. See the Holy Spirit's in us. He's our helper. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, he says. I will come to you. In John chapter 16, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'm going to send him to you. In John chapter 15, 26, it says, But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. In other words, there's sometimes, you know, you're talking to someone and you feel God just wants to say something to them. You're not really sure what it is. Just send up a silent prayer right there. Just say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to speak something that this, this person needs right now? Help me to have the right words to open up this person's heart and to soften them that I may speak into them a word of life. We have the Holy Spirit in us and are filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing so that we can be free from the limitations and energized by the power of the Holy Spirit so we can be used by God to see people's lives changed through divine encounters. 
We need to understand that the Holy Spirit helps us personally to live the the life that God has prepared for us. It's a life of adventure. It's a life of risk. But his help was never meant to stop with us. It was never meant to stop with us. Our community needs people who, are, who have the Holy Spirit within them, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who've been released from the fear of people. You know what? You don't need to worry about what people say about you. I'd much rather worry about what God's going to say to me when I get to meet him face to face in eternity. Sometimes we lose fact of the sight that we need to be more eternally minded than we are temporary minded in this, uh, this earthly time now. We need to be aware that there is an eternal future for us and it's in the presence of God. You're going to be with God a lot longer than you're here on the earth with, with, with people. So I'd much rather worry about what God's going to say to me. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You, you, you did everything that I asked you to do. You said everything that I asked you to do. Why? Because you were filled with the Spirit of God and you let Him rule and reign in your life and you just followed His prompting. See, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. Oh, I love this. Our community needs Jesus, I tell you. Our community needs Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. You need to say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say it like you mean it. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. I loved what Jane shared this morning. Jane didn't know I had this in the message. At our VIP huddle, which is our, our volunteer meeting at the, uh, quarter past nine every morning, on, a, on a, like every Sunday morning, uh, we have a volunteer meeting. That's open to anyone, by the way. If you wanted to come along and just be a part of it, I've got to tell you, it's an incredible time of worship, great encouragement. You hear about what's going to happen in the service. I, I get revved up just at that meeting. That's cool. But, but Jane shared, like, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me too. And she felt God say, challenged her and say, to what? There's a blank check I feel that God gives to us and says, God has anointed me. He's called me. His hand is upon me to do this. I can do. I can speak up for the cause of Christ. I can heal the sick. I can see deliverance come to the people in and around about my world. I can reach out to my community. And Jesus goes on. He says to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. We're in living in the days of favor, the, the days of God's grace, the days of his goodness. We can't use the excuse any longer that we don't have what it takes to reach the people in, the, in our world for Jesus. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to reach the people in my world. I can reach out to my neighbor. I can reach out to the people that live around about me. I can, live, uh, I can reach out to them uh, that, that I go to work with or, or drive on the bus with. The Holy Spirit has anointed me. So the question might become then, what is a divine appointment? Well, have you ever had like a, just a, mo- a coincidence where it's, it was so special that God was in it? You know, it's, you look back over it, it's sort of like you didn't realize it was a divine appointment until you'd actually gone past it. You thought, did you, did you see what happened just then? That was amazing, 
That could have only been that I had just the right words for that person. I, 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 it was just at the right moment that I got off the bus and, and met that person. It, it's just a divine, it was a coincidence. You know what a coincidence is? It's just God acting anonymously in a moment. It just didn't want it to, you know, like flag it with everybody. It's just a God incidence. See, a divine encounter is God leading us to a certain place at the right time to accomplish a specific thing. A divine appointment is, is, is a meeting which is God-inspired and God-led. A divine appointment is an appointed time in which God arranges a God moment in a person's life. See, in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, we read the story of Zacchaeus. You see, Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was coming along the way, and he, he's a bit of a short bloke, not all really, it's short of stature. Uh, so he actually has to climb a tree if he wants to catch a glimpse of Jesus. So he climbs this tree, and when he's up in the tree, Jesus spots him. He says, Zacchaeus, I've got to have lunch with you today. So Zacchaeus bolts down off of this, this tree and, and goes to his house, makes all the preparation. Jesus comes there. And then all the, the religious people say to, to, to the people around about you, just, I mean, he's eating with scum. He's eating with the worst kind of... These are all tax collectors. But you see, there's this thing that the, the people didn't understand. This was a God, divine appointment that happened because you see two people from totally different worlds intersect at one moment in time and the results are eternally dramatic because Jesus himself says of Zacchaeus in, uh, in uh, part of this passage, he says in verse 10, I think it is, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today. Why? Because Zacchaeus is in Jesus' presence and he says, Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. In other words, there's, there's a turnaround in this man's life. He's experienced a turnaround because he's at a moment in time where he's met with Jesus and salvation has been the result. There's this moment of divine intersection in, in Zacchaeus' life. It was like he was up a tree. He thought he was just climbing a tree. But no, Jesus was on divine assignment. And it was a divine appointment for that moment in time where Zacchaeus' life, his eternal future, was changed because of that meeting at that time. Salvation was the result. Who are the Zacchaeuses in our life? Who are the people that uh, are trying to catch a glimpse of a better life and doing whatever it is that they can, climbing whatever corporate tree that they can, trying to get ahead in life, trying to reach out and do things that, that, that put them above everybody else, trying to catch a glimpse of a better life. Who are these people that Jesus is bringing across our path that we need to have that divine appointment, that divine moment, a God moment with them with? They're spiritually curious. Who has God sent to us over the years by divine appointment to encourage us, help us and provide for us? Divine appointment is when God redirects our schedules to arrange a special moment with a person that God is working on. Did you just think of someone? Someone's, maybe you just thought of someone. 
maybe God's setting you up for a divine appointment that you need to reach out and touch space with that person. Maybe you need to phone them. Maybe you need to go and visit them. Maybe you need to click on the link to help a family in the church. Whose face did we see? Whose, Whose name came to our mind? See, coincidence is just God's way of remaining anonymous in the moment. Quite often we dispel those thoughts as something that we say, oh, that was just me. No, maybe it's just God. Maybe God's just trying to say something to us that, you know, you need to touch base with that person, that son, that daughter. That's away from God. That father, that mother, that's away from God. John chapter 4, verses 4, and then 6 to 7, Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Now at Jacob's well, it was there. Jesus was weary from his journey. I love that about Jesus. He actually lets us know how he, sometimes Jesus gets weary. It's, it's okay to get weary. It's okay to get tired. Don't get stressed out. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And Jesus speaks to this woman and he creates curiosity and a hunger within her for the things of God. And John chapter 4, verse 15, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may, I may not thirst, nor come here to draw any more. She was curious, and, she just, and Jesus just leads her to a point of just a divine encounter with him. She thinks she's just coming to draw water, but Jesus is there. What wells do we need to st- sit by or stand by in our world? Where do people normally congregate or hang out? The coffee shop. I've had divine appointments. As a police officer, like 20 or so years ago, went to a murder scene out at Redwood Park. As The whole process, I think I carried this 18-month-old daughter, this girl, out from the house to take to a neighbor's house until the family could get there because her father had just murdered her mother and the father was now going to go to jail for a long stretch. Fast forward 18 years... And there's a girl in our church, 18-year-old girl. She's stressed out. She's, she's into all sorts of stuff. And she's looking for meaning. She's looking for hope. She's looking for help. And I sat down with her and I said to her, what's going on in your world? She says, I'm really stressed out because the media is hounding me because my dad's about to be released from jail for murder. I had this sudden quickening in my spirit saying, um, Redwood Park, Redwood Park. This happens down in Redwood Park. This happens like this 18 years later. Is this girl in the, in the church here. She's asking these questions. And I said, um, your dad didn't happen to kill your mum, did, did he? Um, yeah, he, he did. He didn't happen to be a, a, an ambulance officer. He, he was. Divine, divine appointment. And we were able to help this young girl, support her and love her in that moment, in that season of her life. It was a divine appointment. Orchestrated over 18 years. Right now, there's a, 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 some people from our church who are doing house sitting on the eastern seaboard of Australia. They've gone to a house. This, this house where they're going to be staying, uh, there, there are people who live there. There's this couple that live there. They, they have a born-again sister. She, uh, the, the, mom, the wife has a born-again sister who's been praying for this couple. They don't believe in Jesus. So when they, this this these people from the church go up there and they start to have this conversation. They find out that this couple, because they don't hide the fact that they're Christians. They're spirit-filled believers. They start talking about being, going, is there a church nearby? You're Christians. And they say, yes. And they start to have this conversation. And they say, oh, well, my, my sister might know. 
where you, you can go to church. So they phone the sister. Ten minutes later, the sister lobs on the door and has this great conversation with this couple, uh, this, these people from our church. All of a sudden, there's this family whose house they're staying in. This is, it's another sort of like notch saying, you know what, there might be something to this Christian thing. They're not saved yet. They haven't, you know, like, uh, don't, but you know what, they may be closer. They may be one step closer to the point of salvation and giving their hearts to Christ. Divine appointment. I remember when the, the 9-11 attacks happened on September 11. I remember hearing stories of all these, these people, many people, multiple stories of how they were prevented to go to the twin, twin towers before the attacks happened. They, the, the alarm didn't go off. There was a power failure. They had a flat tire. There was a flat battery. There was a traffic jam on the freeway that prevented them from getting to the twin towers. And then the attacks took place. Divine appointment. I think God's at work more than we ever realize in our, our lives. I think God's at work much more than we ever give him credit for in our lives. See, divine encounters are power encounters where God reveals supernatural power to a person to change their life. To change their life. Acts 26 verse 18 says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. See, darkness symbolizes a spiritual covering of evil causing a person to live in sin. Bondage and slavery to evil, moral and intellectual, spiritual and emotional darkness. But the true gospel proclaims deliverance from the domain of darkness and transfers people into the kingdom of light and life. And that's what divine appointments can do. Divine appointments actually transition people spiritually from where they are to where God desires them to be. From the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are called to, be, to people who are in confusion and have no direction. People who aren't seeing things clearly and they, they have this dark and dismal outlook in life. People who are bound in perverted cravings and selfish habits that are ruining their lives. People who have miserable emotional baggage that torments them. People that have secret bondages that they, keep, that they believe keep them from God. People who live different from us, they believe different from us, and they look different from us. Divine encounters, divine appointments are occasions where God chooses to do his works through us as we obey his Holy Spirit promptings and we simply step out in faith. Acts chapter 10 verses 19 to 20 says, When Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise and go with them, doubting nothing, for I've sent them. It's a divine appointment that actually changed Peter's whole way of looking about how God related to non-Jewish people. It opened up the door to the Gentiles, to us. Our thinking is transformed into seeing and believing that all things are related directly or indirectly to people's eternal destiny and eternal perspective on people. Our life is lived expecting God to do the miraculous. 
We have a shift in perception that involves signs and wonders. We make room for divine information and, and, and divine appointments. We live in the world of God speaking and working to, uh, through us. We live according to our expectations. So are we expecting God to create a divine appointment in the lives of the people we live amongst today? Do we actually expect God to do that? Is there an expectation, is there an anticipation in our hearts that God is creating a divine encounter? See, I've got to say today, divine appointments are coming our way. Divine appointments are coming our way. Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Divine appointments are coming our way today and every day. God arranged for something supernatural to incur in the lives of people that he's placing us near to have an encounter with him. The possibilities of divine appointments are endless if we're willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's why he's in us. That's why he fills us. That's why he energizes us and empowers us. Are we ready to stop and interact with people? Are we focused on breaking down stereotypes and building bridges instead? Are we actively seeking ways to be stretched, such as sitting with someone from another generation or a different background or someone we simply don't know? Instead of looking for the spare seat, the empty seat on the bus, let's aim for there's one seat next to someone and let's believe that it's a divine encounter. So how do we get ready for divine appointments? Here's the preparation you need. This Real quick. Number one, you need to pray for divine appointments. Get hungry for adventure. Get hungry for adventure. Secondly, expect divine appointments and exercise our faith. We are on divine assignment everywhere. Look and listen for divine appointments. With the Holy Spirit's eyes, what do we see? What do we hear? The Holy Spirit saying, what is he doing right now? Next, recognize divine appointments with Holy Spirit's discernment. What is he already doing? You know, can I, I'll let you know a big secret. When you talk to someone about God, you are never the first person, never the first person to talk to them about God. God is already working on that person. We just think it's all about us and I'm the first person to ever... Come on. God's already working in their life. This may be the next divine appointment that leads them to say, you know what, I give my heart to God. Then capture that divine appointment moment and seize that moment. Open our hearts and step up into that divine adventure that God wants to take us on. So the question is, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because the Christian life is impossible without him. Because we need to, him to live and to bring life, abundant life and adventurous life to the world around about us. We need the person of the Holy Spirit to do that. 1 John 4, 4 says this, and this is my last scripture. You belong to God, my dear children. You already have won a victory because the Holy Spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. 
I'm walking in victory already because of the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand. I'm done. We live in a day and an age where there are people who are searching, who are looking for answers, who are looking for hope. And you and I have that responsibility. We have that hope living within us. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. It's God. His word lives within us. And my encouragement to us as the people of God this morning is to start to rethink where we're at with God. Burn like a flame, burn like a fire within us so that the world can see, so that the world can see. I believe God wants to use us more and more as a church, as a body of believers. That's what a church is, as a body of believers, a group of people. To reach out to the people in and around our world, to bring a divine appointment, a divine encounter with someone. We need to, to recognize that God has called us to live by divine assignment. I'm living in my divine assignment right now as the pastor and the leader of this church to bring instruction in the Word of God. This is my divine assignment for this morning. That This week I'm going out and I'm going to be doing some various things for this church and for the Mount Barker Ministers Fellowship. I'm going out on divine assignment. I'm going out knowing that I'm filled with the person of the Holy Spirit within me. And I'm looking for opportunities to share about my my Jesus. He loves people so much. And one of the prayers I've been praying so much lately is, Lord, help me to love people like you love people. Because the reality is that God loves the person that you don't like. He loves the person I don't like. But I'm asking God, help me to like him. Help me to let go of the prejudices and the hurts and the wounds in my life so that I can love them unashamedly and bring the love that you have for them to them. Who wants to live differently than you are now? I mean, you just want to see this happen in your world. Just put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. If you, you put your hand up, I'll pray for you. If you don't put your hand up, that's cool. Don't feel like pressured to do it. That's cool. That's okay. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt us, help us to be more in tune with what you're doing and what you're saying in the world around about us. Open up our eyes, open up our ears to the things that are happening around about us so that we can actually engage with our divine assignment to bring about a divine appointment where we introduce people to you and you to people. We do it in a very non-threatening, non-challenging, very easy way, very relational way. We open our hearts and our minds to what you're saying to us and we release that to the people that we meet. Help us to see these things differently. In Jesus' name I pray. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, in this whole thing. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name this morning. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.